The first reading this morning is a very short one, so I hope you have uh, your attention span set. <laughs> it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, which can be found on page 168 of your pew Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. Listen for God's word to us. Think of us in this way. As servants of Christ and stewards of God's mysteries. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they should find uh, that they should be found trustworthy. This is God's word for us. Thanks be to God. You might have to join the choir. Be careful. <laughs> Can you all hear me okay, choir? Okay. Now you got me all flustered and worried. Our second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 24 through 32. I invite you to actively listen or to follow along in your pew Bible. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will I eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. The word of the Lord. Today's trouble is enough for today. 
As many of you know, I moved into a new place this past week, and many of you are kind enough to ask me how it is, and I respond that I am loving living closer to work and to all the things that I enjoy doing. But the house isn't perfect. I just discovered last night, actually, that my bedroom door does not close. And whoever painted last didn't focus on the details. And in some areas, there is more paint on the floor than actually on the wall. And then there's the issue of the kitchen cabinets, which I think a 10-year-old may have installed. And I actually am concerned that they're going to fall off the wall. But in reality, the house is fine. It's fine. And all my complaints really fall under what I like to call first world problems. Because just the fact that I have a roof over my head should be enough. Especially when there are approximately 600 people who go unsheltered each night in Richmond. Today's trouble is enough for today. And North Thailand is a small village. The village is not fancy. It boasts a couple dozen family units living in small wood-framed houses. The villagers have livestock and plots of land to grow vegetables. There is a natural pond nearby that provides water for the animals and a well that provides clean water to the residents. It's a simple life, but a sustainable life, where the villagers have all their needs met. Shelter, food, water, community. The quality of life in this village is high or at least it was. Until a few years ago, a large company came in asking permission to cut down all the surrounding teak trees. It seemed like a good deal. A little extra money to help the villagers, perhaps pay for some infrastructure, maybe another water well, or community toilets, or the ability to send their kids to school. And in addition to the money, the business said it would replace each teak tree that they cut down with another tree to replenish the forest. It was perfect. Except that the business didn't replace the slow-growing teak trees with new teak tree saplings. Instead, it replaced them with a fast-growing softwood. Not at all the same quality of tree, both causing problems in the short and the long run. In the long run, there is little value in the mature wood, as it is not at all the same quality as the teak. And in the short run, those fast-growing softwoods sucked up all the water from the ground resulting in well water and ponds drying up, creating a shortage for humans and livestock. 
Without water for the livestock, they were sold or they died. And without the use of the pond for irrigation, no crops were growing during the dry season. The quality of life plummeted as this self-sustaining village came to ruin. Today's trouble is enough for today. And the most recent World Food Programs report called Winning the Peace, it examines what can happen when people do not have enough food at a time when more than 20 million stand on the brink of starvation. If left unchecked, food insecurity destabilizes nations, creating fertile ground for unrest in many forms, from migration to food riots to recruitment by violent extremists. In other words, there is no security with food insecurity. In the words of Senator Pat Roberts, chairman of the Senate Agricultural Committee, show me a nation that cannot feed itself and I'll show you a nation of chaos. Today's trouble is indeed enough for today. And we are indeed taught not to worry well, sorry, we are indeed taught to worry. We are told that we should fear and fear a lot. We're supposed to look for those suspicious people at the airport, right? We can now get texts from the president alerting us of any disastrous concerns. We should fear another collapse of the housing market or our house burning down or burglars or people coming into our schools or our churches and shooting us up. We should even be worried about what the side effects of medicine might kill us before the medicine actually helps us. And women, we are taught to fear how we dress, how we walk down the streets. If we have had too much to drink, we are to fear if we have been sexually assaulted. And now, even if we are, we now have to worry if our story will be heard. Trouble and worry permeates everything we do to the point that all this stress and worry actually changes our DNA. In a recent Harvard study, research discovered that the genes exposed to chronic stress actually change over time. It said these modifications were most associated with genes related to a variety of mental illnesses such as depression and autism and schizophrenia. It is no wonder that all this worry has us focusing inward and on ourselves. After all, we are taught time and again to put our own oxygen mask on first before helping our loved ones. And then we encounter the scripture for today that tells us not to worry, to not be so concerned about food or drink 
or clothing. Society has changed a great deal since the time of Jesus. Definitions of poverty and wealth and the good life are much different today than they were back then. For example, we are constantly being bombarded with images and messages from advertisers and media that encourage us to consume. And further, such messages can make us feel unhappy with what we have and the hopes that we will buy and consume more. And the other side of this equation includes the harsh realities of economic failure. We hear sad stories of homes being foreclosed on and financial tragedy striking both individuals and businesses. We have constructed a world economy that is dependent upon the American consumer to keep it afloat. And as a result, we live with conflicting messages and concerns that distract us from our loyalties. We seek security and stability and are appropriately worried about our future. And then we encounter the scripture this morning that tells us not to worry to not be so concerned about food or drink or clothing. Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew reminds us that acquiring goods for oneself may distract us from seeking righteousness and justice around us. Here we are encouraged to live by faith, trusting God to provide all material needs. It seems to suggest that we do not need to work or prepare for the future at all. We can simply relax knowing that God is going to take care of us. But as most of us know, this doesn't seem to match what we know of life on this planet. But Jesus is not calling us all to abandon our lives and move to the desert and join a monastery or empty our savings accounts and our 401ks. Rather, he is addressing the basis for excessive worry and anxiety that results from being separated from God. The text calls us to a different set of values and different priorities. The Gentiles, those who are outside the community of faith, both seek after these things and worry about their life, their physical possessions, and the accompanying social status. A life devoted to God, lived under the reign of God, is lived according to the values of the beloved community of God. Jesus' challenge to trust God for daily needs is exactly why he can say to those looking to do good, if you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. 
Or as Mother Teresa famously said, if you can't feed a hundred people, then feed just one. This text is a reminder to remove the focus off ourselves and back to the community, to the body of Christ, to the whole of creation. Move us to think about what it means to attempt to feed just one, to help at least just one, to help listen to just one, to see at least just one. We can get bogged down on the enormity of worry, on the enormity of community and world problems, on the enormity of our own concerns. And we can easily choose to see the glass half empty instead of half full. But we are called not to be perfect. But to help at least just one. If we believe and know that God will take care of us, what does it look like then for us to take care of God's justice in the world? There is more to life than concern for daily needs, though this is most definitely difficult for some. But Jesus expects us to put forward energy into things that give more meaning to life. And we must strive to discern how God is working in the world and how to participate in acts of justice on God's behalf. In this period of intentional stewardship reflection, how are we called to honor the body of Christ? through our offering. What we are doing here at 7th Street Christian Church is more than just worship. We show up because as disciples of Christ, we see there is a world in need and we come here to find encouragement and strength from our faith in Christ and from each other. We show up here because we too often hear people wonder, where is God in all of this mess? And we know that God is asking the same questions of us. And so we show up. We show up. As Jamie shared last week, when she shared that Teresa of Avila's poem, we show up because Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. 
Christ has no body but yours. And so we show up because we know we are the hands and feet of Christ. And we do this because we are called to care for each other. And we support this work because none of this is ours to begin with. And we can't do this alone. We support this work because our liberation is bound up in each other. And we do this because we are called as disciples to live out our responsibility to help bring God's justice to the world. Let it be so.